hear this first lesson of the day from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know that when you were Gentiles, you were often misled by false gods that can't even speak. So I want to make it clear to you that no one says Jesus is cursed when speaking it by God's Spirit. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different ministries and the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God, who produces all of them in everyone. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person for the, for the common good. A word of wisdom is given by the Spirit to one person. A word of knowledge to another according to the same Spirit. Faith to still another by the same Spirit, gifts of healing to another by the one Spirit, performance of miracles to another, prophecy to another, the ability to tell spirits apart to another, different kinds of tongues to another, and the interpretation of tongues to another. All these things are produced by the one and same Spirit who gives with what He wants to each person. Let us join our hearts as we bow together in prayer. God of glory and God of power, we come in from the cold and we're thankful for a warm building a warm place where we can share, where we can greet one another, where we can hear the hymns of our faith and the words of Scripture. We're thankful for uh, the many ways you protect us in inclement weather, in dangerous times, and uh, in, in all places and times. You are present. Your power is always loving and your love is always powerful. And we give thanks for you. Above all else, we worship and we praise you. We come to you in the name of Jesus. And he has taught us so much about you. We want to be more like him. We want to be loving and kind, truthful and honest, and always compassionate, ready to uh, trust your spirit to do whatever we can and whatever you will for another person. As we worship, we're thankful that our sins are forgiven, and we ask your protection that we may sin no more and when we do we're thankful that you would reveal to us our faults and the error of our ways 
and that you would guide us straight upon your path by your Spirit and by the example of Christ. We would put our full trust and faith in you and in no other. Bless your church in all places of this planet Earth. Give us a strong voice for your truth and your righteousness your love and your justice and help us as your church to be in unity with you through Christ our Lord. We remember those who are sick and those who are troubled and uh, we offer ourselves to be your messengers, your hands, your feet, your voice to share with others as their needs arise. We pray in Jesus' name and we pray as he has taught us when we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. standing as we sing 384, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. lesson today is from John chapter 2 
verses 1 through 11. According to uh, the gospel writer John, this is the first of Jesus' miracles. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, They don't have any wine. Jesus replied, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish cleaning ritual, each each able to hold about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some from the from them and take it to the head waiter and they did the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine he didn't know where it came from though the servant who had drawn the water knew the head waiter called the groom and said everyone serves the good wine first they bring out the second-rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely. You kept the good wine until now. This was the first first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. The Word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. I suppose that story still uh, raises some uh, uh, some some hairs on some people's neck. Uh, the idea of Jesus changing water to wine, and there's some who will argue that it wasn't real wine. You know, it wasn't fermented. It was it was just a miracle. It tasted like wine. And my my grandfather Reed was a teetotaler. As far as I know, alcohol never touched his lips, but uh, he would argue with you. He wasn't much of an arguing man, but he would he would tell you that uh, Jesus drank real wine. No, no harm in that. Nothing wrong. And this miracle was what the Bible says: that Jesus changed the water into wine. Now. Uh, you know, never mind what our parties are like. This wedding party, you know, was one where you usually serve the best wine first and then save the secondary wines, the less expensive wines for last. But these folks, the head waiter and others, I'm sure were surprised that uh, this groom served the best wine last. The groom himself was surprised. Now, it's, it's fun to look at this story and uh, kind of think like a comedian for just a few minutes because Jesus' mother was a typical Jewish mother. You know, here they are at this wedding, and uh, she sees that they've run out, and she wants her son to do something about it. 
All she says is, son, they've run out of wine. But Jesus knows what she's saying. He said, woman, what's that to me? You know, uh, my time hasn't come. Now, Jesus' time throughout the, the gospel recorded by John, Jesus' time is his death on the cross. That will be his ultimate glory. But, you know, he's not there yet. He's not uh, quite ready to reveal himself. But, you know, he's an obedient son. So uh, he, he calls those who are in charge of the wine. He says, take these empty water jars. Now notice that the jars were part of the Jewish ritual of purification and cleansing. These aren't just any jars. And they're, they're large. They contain 20 to 30 gallons of water. And uh, they're filled to the brim. Somebody pointed out in our Bible study the other day that, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't take any chances. He doesn't want anybody saying that something was added to that water because it's already full to the brim. And uh, the miracle is found when they take the water, which is now wine, and start serving it to the guests. Uh, interesting that those are jars that held water for purification. Because that puts, uh, that puts the wine in there with other ritual things, and it might make us think of Holy Communion. Now, thanks to Mr. Welch, we don't drink real wine anymore. Uh, you know, Welch was a Methodist. He, uh, he had a heart for alcoholics and uh, so he invented grape juice so that they wouldn't have to drink wine at Holy Communion. So the story goes. But uh, within the miracle at the wedding, you got the celebration of, of the wedding. You know, one of those greatest cele celebrations of, of mutual love. Uh, you've, you've got Jesus with his, with his own mother, and uh, even though it's not his time, he's, he's ready to step, step forth and perform a miracle. And uh, then you've got water that might have been used for purification, now being a source of celebration for the, for the love of a husband and wife. We can try to make other points from this story. But uh, the only other point we wouldn't want to miss is that Jesus was the miracle worker. <laughs> now, what other miracles might he work? Well, there are more spelled out in the Gospel of John, and there are some in other the other Gospel writings, but... Uh, what kind of miracle could he work among us today? Let's see. 
in Paul's writing to the Corinthians. It's a church that's upset by schisms. And uh, people are claiming one gift over another, and uh, they're claiming to have the best gift, be the most Christian and most, you know, the high, high person on, in rank in the church at Corinth. And uh, Paul, Paul's upset with them, but he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to make things any worse. So he uh, he starts into this line. He's he's already, you know, we're in the eleventh chapter, so he's already spelled out several things that might help to settle some of the disputes there. But he he finally is getting around to what it is that brings us together, <clears throat> and and he makes this statement. Now it's uh, you got to understand it in its context. Nobody can say Jesus is cursed <coughs> by the Holy Spirit. Well, who would want to say that? We're not sure. But he also says nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can't curse Jesus and be in the Spirit of God, you, but, but you can't recognize Jesus as Lord unless you are in the Spirit of God. Now, I'll tell you before we go any further, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that unifies us. But uh, Paul makes that even more clear. He talks of, uh, of the gifts and the ministries and the services Sort of it's three different things, but they all come by the one Spirit, by the one Lord, by the one God. Uh, the source is the same, whatever the gift you have. And, uh, and then he tells us that all these gifts are given for the common good. Now, uh, sometimes when we get to feeling really good about ourselves... We might lose our attention to the common good. You know, how does this benefit others within the church? And how does what happens within the church benefit others in the community? Um, what we see at, in, the, in the distance of this passage is what we've got in the world even today all kinds of people lining up against all other kinds of people and each causing the other, calling the other names and uh, blaming and accusing and uh, don't you get tired of it I've seen it in the church too I hate to say it but I've, I've seen it in the church and it's to me, it's even worse there. And I'm thankful we don't have that much of it. Uh, we probably have a little because we are human beings. But you heard my point to uh, Eli and Evan. Uh, we're more alike than we are different from any other human being, no matter how different we are. Whether it's male and female, short and tall, tall, 
American or African or Asian or whatever, uh, educated, uneducated, liberal, conservative, fundamentalist, uh, whatever the differences between us, we got more in common than we do indifference. I'm going to let it soak in because it's hard to believe. You know, sometimes I just can't believe that my sisters and I have more in common than we've got different. How can they think and act the way they do? They're my sisters. Of course, some of my friends I appreciate the most because of some of our differences. I'd rather hear Dan Moore tell the story of my seminary years than tell you myself because his memory of me is, is a lot more fun than my memory of me. <laughs> uh, and you know, the differences, the differences are not all bad. I mean, some of the differences, you know, that's the spice of life. Uh, I, you know, I don't doubt that part of the trouble people have with homosexuality is because they just, you know, you just can't see yourself being married to somebody like yourself. And then you see some husbands and wives and you think, my goodness. But other husbands and wives are, my goodness, the other way. You know, some are so much alike, some are so different. <clears throat> but if, if we're aware of what all we have in common, then the differences don't need to divide us. And whether it's in the nation or in the world, whether it's in the church or in the community, if we find ourselves, you know, wanting to split up, take sides, we need to stop and think. Now, uh, you know, the answer is not in uh, what party you belong to and then trying to get those parties together at the table. The answer is uh, not in which, which end of the spectrum you're on and trying to, you know, find the middle point. The, the answer is simply to respect the differences and see what God can do with all the differences. Well, I'm uh, glad you're here today and... Uh, I regret that other people are missing, but now I want you to share this with other people, okay? If they ask what the preacher was talking about Sunday, you can say, well, he said, we're, we're all different, but we're all alike. Now, I threw a word into the sermon title, just, you know, get my money's worth out of my education. Because we, we talk about, in terms of our theology, we talk about conservatives and liberals and radical liberals and fundamentalists and all these different things. Well, I, I found when I was going through through school that uh, I, kept, I kept looking at things in a little different way. I kept thinking, what's the difference here? You know, what's the difference there? And uh, there's so many paradoxes to life. 
No, that's not two doctors. That's, you know, what's, what's a paradox? Two doctors. No, no that's not it. It's, it's when things seem so different, but they're so much alike. Or maybe they just seem so much alike, and yet in some way they're very different. The, the, that's a dialectic theology. It's, it's kind of like the saying, you've got to pray like it all depends on God. And work like it all depends on you. Now, it really does all depend on God. But surely what we do is going to make a difference. Yeah, we're not, we don't save ourselves, but we might help someone else get to the point of accepting their own forgiveness and finding their own salvation. Man, I truly believe we're all forgiven. The whole world. When Jesus died upon the cross, God forgave all sin. But there's still that little matter. Well, what if you either deny your sin or don't know your sin or you think you don't need forgiveness? for any sin and what if you just haven't yet said yes I accept and thank you Now, most of us have most of us have passed that point years ago but you know there's still other points along the way as to uh, when and how we pick up uh, our responsibility to live for God and to uh, share the faith with others. But I'll preach longer to a bigger crowd someday. we got enough to go on, don't we? Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, making us as we are, for all the differences that are so obvious, and yet for all the consistency within humanity. And we all need your love. Uh, We all need to know that we are saved and forgiven so that we can stop sinning and start loving and serving you and living in harmony with one another. Whether it's uh, in in our own town, in our own state and nation, or uh, with anybody else anywhere else on the planet Earth. We give you our thanks, we give you our praise, and we give you our hearts and our minds. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.